You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 536 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on this fine Sunday afternoon, at least for me, but my guest is uh, across the pond, and it's Sunday evening there. Uh, the great Graham Chapel is going to be joining me today. What's up, Graham? Ahoy, thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure, sir. It's been far too long. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about your NBA life uh, later in the podcast. We'll probably close with that, but just so people know, the reason why Graham isn't on more, because I'd love to have Graham more, but the problem is uh, when it's evening, and I usually record the podcast, uh, it's like one in the morning where Graham is. So it becomes tough to, uh, I guess, corral him. So Sunday afternoon is a good spot for it. And uh, welcome to the pod, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's time zones are our thing. And you operate usually quite late as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's a situation where with my day job, I have to kind of record most of the time um, fairly late into the evening. And fairly late into the evening for me is like the dark of night for you. So uh, here we are. Uh, anyway, w- let's talk about some Hawk stuff. An interesting, yeah. an interesting back-to-back. I don't want to spend too much time on those games because we just talked about them on the, on the previous two podcasts. If you want deep dives on the last two games, the podcasts are back there for you. But um, you wrote a piece for Peachtree Hoops over the All-Star break that looked ahead at the uh, sort of the stretch run and looked back at some of the stuff that was said from you know Lloyd Pierce, some of the guys. So I wanted to ask you sort of, about the quote second half it's not really the second half of the season because it's actually like a second i guess it's like the last third of the season but it's half what a half are, really <laughs> yeah it's a half of a half um what are you sort of looking for i mean i don't want to give you i, I don't want to have you spoil the entire piece people should read it but what are you looking for in the second half what do you have your eye on um down the stretch here because obviously we've now seen two of the games since you wrote that piece but what are your general uh, thoughts on what people should be looking for as the uh, sort of stretch, stretch run arrives here uh just in terms of i think it just Looking, continue looking at the growth of the team, basically, and how how people like Young, Herder, uh, I guess the people want more Mary Spellman. That's always always a thing. But just, just yeah, just say just grow and just continue to just learn more under Pierce and the staff, and just kind of looking at. I, I guess the one thing I'm looking at more so is kind of if they can cut down their turnovers. I think it'd be if they could even. You know, start to kind of those habits to kind of start turning some of those corners, kind of showing that kind of progression because <laughs> turnovers were an issue on day one and they're still an, an issue on day and game 60. So, kind of just looking for more kind of growth on that end and just like their shootings have been better, especially from young of late. He's back up to 31, well, he's up to 31% now. He's in chilling below the 30s for pretty much most of the season, really. So, but it'd be nice to see them kind of cut, kind of limit their turnover turnovers. Not been too bad this home stretch, six games under sixteen turnovers, which is actually decent, sad, sad to say that's decent enough it for the for Hawks them. in this yeah. uh, in this stretch. So just kind of looking at that and just kind of get, getting themselves ready for kind of next season. If they can kind of get on top of some of these things now, kind of show some sort of kind of progress, and that they've actually learned a few things in sixty games under a new coach. I know a, a few, a good few of the players obviously haven't. You know, it's their first season and as such. So, uh, just kind of looking at them, kind of getting on top of things, getting kind of things right as such before season ends. Uh, be turnovers would be the big one because that's I, I could. I'm sure you could count at least who knows how many games they could. Like, imagine what their record could be if they just committed a few less turnovers per game. And obviously, 
their opponents obviously score a lot of points off of those turnovers as well. And they've been a lot, they've had a lot of close games, the Hawks, as well. So, you know, <laughs> it's mad to say, but you could, you could be looking at this team closer to 20, well, 25, 6, 7 wins if their turnovers, turnovers weren't as bad as they were. As yeah, weird that- as that is to say. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I, I do think that it's a combination of things. The turnovers, that's the worst thing that they do um, as a team. They are dead last in the NBA by a wide margin in, turno- in turnover rate. And it's not a coincidence. Uh, you know, most of the individual players have bad turnover rates as well. Even the veterans, like even guys like Bazemore and Deadman and Prince are not um, good turnover guys, when, well, at least when compared to their positions. And then you throw in Young, who's obviously a bad turnover player. Um, Herter still commits a lot of turnovers, etc. So... That's a problem. I do think that it's something that they have to try to work on. And as you referenced, it's been a little bit better recently. Uh, Lloyd Pierce talks about taking care of the ball a lot. And, you know, closing games, too. The, the, I, mean, I guess the three biggest things for me, I think you hit on them all briefly. Closing games, not turning the ball over, and then defense. Because defense, I think it's almost understated how bad they are defensively. Because right now, because they're only 20, I say only, they're only 28th in the league in defense, which isn't like they're not dead last. They're not 30th. They're not by, you know, by a wide margin. But honestly, that's only because Cleveland and Phoenix are so bad defensively. Like right now, Cleveland has the worst defense in the history of the NBA. Full stop. Like on a per possession basis, Cleveland has the worst defense in, in the history of the league. And Phoenix would be close to that. So in a normal season, the Hawks would be last in defense in the NBA. And because they're not, I think people don't ha- don't really have a full grasp. I think everyone not kind of knows that they're bad on defense, but it's really bad. And I, I do think that people, you know, recently you've kind of seen that more evidently against the Knicks before the break. And even over the weekend, like even against Phoenix, they had some moments where it was kind of bad. But I mean, is there hope for them defensively? Maybe not this season, but I mean, that's something that we have to look for. But is there hope for them with this group? Because that's one thing that's one of the things that I always point out is they need some more talent defensively. But is there, I guess, light at the end of the tunnel? Do you see something? Do you see that for next year and beyond? Uh, somewhat. I mean, look, people, people have been on to Lloyd Pierce about, you know, I suppose I thought he was a, a defense coach and he is, oh, but that, that drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it doesn't help when your, your personnel is obviously plays a huge part of what you can actually do defensively. So Trey Young, for example, look, he's fun offensively and all that, but defensively is going to, uh, show some, a few, uh, a few, uh, shall we call them, uh, a few leaks, shall we say. Yes. Uh, on that end, John Collins is he's getting a bit better, but obviously still. But uh, and Jeff Siegel took a, took a great dive of that on on the site as well. He's still yes. yet to uh, you know it's it's still not great in that regard. And you know got, it's just up and down the roster. There's a lot of guys that aren't fantastic defensively. And big issue for the Hawks is I think well more so I think well it's still an issue now, but I, I think a lot more so early on was kind of how they literally could not keep anyone in front of them. And that just utterly broke the defense down. You have guys rotating, and it's all just an absolute mess as they try and scramble and recover. It's just it hasn't it hasn't been pretty at times. But look, at the end of the day, they are, look a lot of these guys are are young. They're either the second, the first, second, or third years. Uh, you would imagine that eventually they'll take some as they learn a bit more about uh, the game and coverages and all that. They would eventually improve. So I do expect some improvements heading into next year, but. Not a massive ton. I still think they should, well, I mean, it's very early, but I still would imagine they're at least bottom 10 in the league on defense next year. And it's purely, I can you can just purely say that based on personnel. Like, Kent Bazemore is one of their better, well, arguably, well, him and Benbury, among the better wing defenders. And we've no idea if Bazemore is going to be around next year. And if he's gone, that's that's a that's a big problem on the wing, especially for keeping uh, the likes of Prince. I don't know what they're going to do, Anderson, etc. So, 
uh, there is some light, but not a ton. It's, it has to be said. Yeah, and that's something that I we've been sort of pushed back on. But it's it's a fan thing, and I totally understand that fans want to see the best in their players, and I totally get that too. And no one is saying you know maybe Young is the only guy where it's like might be a full career problem for him. Um, mm. I, I think everybody kind of knows that, but no one's saying that Collins can't be better defensively. Um, right. Prince the same thing. It's just that they haven't done it yet. So when, when just we're, right now, it's not good. Yeah, when, when we're trying to evaluate these players, you know, obviously Collins and Prince have pretty decent tools. Um, there are some issues with Collins' length, et cetera. But, I mean, it's big picture. It's just kind of where are they now, where they, where could they be? And that's kind of the gray area. Because if you want to be optimistic, you could certainly see Collins being a solid defender. Um, he's not there yet. He's got a long way to go. And Prince, the same thing. So it kind of depends on what those guys do. But your, your point is a good one. And the, and the stuff about Lloyd Pierce drives me crazy. You know, fans want to say, look, this it's it's on the coach. I'm like, listen, at some point, the coach has to do, put them in a good position to, to, to succeed. But you could have Greg Popovich coach this team. And it wouldn't be a good. It wouldn't be a good defense. I, I promise <laughs> right. you on that. Um, so it's all about. I mean, effort is a, is important as is execution. But at the, at the end of the day, you have to have defensive talent in the NBA. You can get by lower levels with effort and stuff like that. But at this level, you have to have guys who have talent defensively to make an impact. And right now, they have very few of those guys. Because even someone like Bazemore, who I like and I know you do too, is a re- is a really solid defender. Bazemore is not a game changing defender. He's a good defender. Um, Bembry is probably le- maybe even a little bit better than Bazemore at times mm. right now, but they don't really have that like elite guy. It doesn't really exist for them. You know, the, the bigs are okay. Mm. Deadman's a solid, solid guy. Alex Len's a good rip protector. But they don't, they don't have one guy who I would say is like a great defender. I guess, I guess Anderson's like the closest thing they have, and he doesn't play. So it's just, you know, look around. Look at the NBA teams. I know some of the superstars don't play great defense, whether it be James Harden, etc., but those teams have good personnel. The Warriors have incredible offensive personnel, and everybody knows that. But they also have Draymond Green, who's an all-world defender. They have Kevin Durant, who, when he tries, is a great defender as well. Mm-hmm. Clay's a great defender. Like, these guys are two-way players. It's not all about offense. Offense is more important than defense, but defense still matters. Yeah, and like you mentioned those teams, they at least have at least one kind of anchor on on defense, whereas it'd be on the wing or uh, on uh, near the rim, like a, even your... Even your your Draymond, your Durant, and Cape- even Capella. Well, nah. well, Capella to an extent. Go he's solid. I mean, he's not. Yeah. Yeah, he's not. He's not incredible, but he's a he's, no, a, not, he's a solid defender. Not on the same level as like a, a Green, an example. But there's at least one kind of backbone to to your defense. At least, okay, if you get beat, there's at least this guy there, and that can that can help. Whereas the Hawks don't really, especially in the bigs. They don't. Again, they're just, they're fine. Like it's fine. You know, Deadman good for a few blocks here and there. Len, uh, not a bad rebounder, but uh, just. I do think, yeah, yeah Demon and Lynn are both okay. It's it's uh, it's the guys behind them. You know, obviously Collins is not great, and then Spellman as is, is a rookie. Um, but when those are your four core big men, and then your fifth is Vince Carter, who Vince is a great offensive option with his shooting, but defensively has some weaknesses. That's going to be a problem most nights. And honestly, I mean, in addition to having the top end talent, which you have to have. You also have to avoid having weak spots, especially in the playoffs. That's one one talking point that, we, that we've been talking about on the podcast and in, in, in our in our comment section and other places at Peachtree Hoops is the fact that you know building a team long term. Part of it as well is just avoiding guys in the playoffs who who can be exposed defensively. Your your big plotting center, for instance, like that doesn't really exist on the Hawks right now. They don't have like their Enos Cantor type center, but. Um, Guys like Trey, guys like, if it was right now, John Collins would be exposed in the playoff series. Same with Amari Spellman. Um, obviously, it's not right now, so it doesn't really matter as much. But look around at the guys who play 
at the highest level in the conference finals and the finals. Most of the time, it's really hard. You might be able to hide one guy. You can't hide two guys. So it's just a, you have to have solid guys who can hold up defensively in a postseason series because over the course of seven games, tendencies get figured out and guys, guys can, can really scheme. Where in the regular season, you kind of have your, your core stuff. You might match up a little bit. But in the playoffs, man, if you're a bad defender, it gets exposed and it, does, and it happens in a hurry. Yeah, but that goes to both sides. Bad offense, you'll be exposed. Bad defense, it's going to be exposed. But sure. it's obviously more telling in, in yeah, when it comes bad, to defense. Bad offense team. is the same thing. I mean, Andre Robertson's a good example. Like Just guys who get – Tony Yallen famously just didn't mm. get guarded at all in Luke playoff series. Mute. Yeah, Luke and Bob Mute. They're definitely examples of guys who – especially if, if you just can't shoot and you're a perimeter player, it's really tough. So yeah, it does go just, both ways. Yeah, just left alone. So it's tough in that regard. But, and especially you mentioned like it's, it's not just one person. Obviously, if we were going to a playoff series today, for example – uh, obviously, you have a young straight away would be that's a, that's that's an easy target for teams to yeah, yeah, to, to really well. to really go against. So and then yeah, the rest kind of again the wing defending isn't fantastic at times, and then the back as well as average at best. So, um, but look, it's it's one of those things. Hopefully, we don't know what's going to happen in the draft. Obviously, if they'll if there's something along the roads that that could come up, that could help in that department for free agency, etc. It's all. Bit of a blur, but with the the current group at the moment, yeah, it's it's basically hope if they can play any kind of just any inkling of defense, that's that's all right. And then, but, but most occasion, it's just can can we can they outscore the opponent? And if they can, it's that's that's what it is basically. Can we score more points? If if not, then we lose. Yeah, there is there is this. Um, I've seen it and I seen it in the fan base recently. This uh, idea that. They could be so good on offense that defense almost doesn't matter. Um, that's been said to me, and not by everyone, but I push back on that in saying that you know you n- you never see a team win a championship that isn't a good defense. It just doesn't happen. Um, yeah. Especially um, you don't ha- you don't have to be an elite defense. You can be an awesome offense and a good solid defense and win the cha- and win the title. But you can't be a bad defense. It doesn't it doesn't work. So I I get the idea of that if you're just so good on offense that it doesn't matter. But at the at the end of the day, it just doesn't. That's not a recipe for success. You have to be okay defensively. And with this Hawks core, I I really doubt um, with their core three guys they have right now and Collins, Herter, and Young. I doubt that any of those guys are going to be game changing good defenders. Like there there's a world in which Herter and Collins especially become solid to maybe even a little bit better than that if you want to be optimistic. But they're not going to be elite defenders, so somewhere along the way, they're going to have to add some defensive talent, whether whether it be in the draft or free agency. And again, as you kind of mentioned there, it's there's there's a long way to go here. There's no reason to panic just yet, but it has to be noted that defensively, they're going to have to add some pieces. That's just kind of the reality of it. Yeah, I, I think there is a, some cause for concern, but it, it's it is early. But yes. <laughs> the core pieces, as you mentioned, Young, Collins, you'd imagine obviously these guys are going to be around they're, for a little bit, and so. Yeah. Uh, it would help if they would, if they're a little better defensively. I said we. I mean, I mean, when I say we, I, I, I tries me mad. I, I didn't mean to say as in we the, the, the Hawks. I just want to. I know. I just want to point yeah. that because I said it as like like we lose. I was like, no, that's not like. Oh, no, I totally, under, I totally understand. <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're we're gonna gloss over that, but I, I agree with you. Uh, the the we and us stuff does drive me crazy at times. Um, there's one guy I wanted to ask you about that's not part of that core. I feel like I do a lot of podcasts with people about. The young guys, especially you know guests that come on that don't watch every Hawks game, for instance, and I know you do. So I want to go a little bit deeper. I talked to I talked to you about Dwayne Dedman a little bit because when the Hawks didn't trade him, people were you know part of the theory was keeping the cap space clean for next year. That was definitely a part of it. But then, then there's also this idea that the Hawks could re-sign Dwayne Dedman. I'm not 
I'm not really sure where that where they're going to land on that because he's a little bit older than you might think. He's already 29. He'll be 30 in August. He's not the most uh, young guy in the world, but he got a very late start, not a ton of miles on his tires, so maybe he'd be a solid short-term option. All that to say, he's been really good uh, as a shooter for two straight years now, and this year he's made like sort of a leap to the point where he's now taking technical foul free throws. Like It's kind of crazy how good of a shooter he now is. Um, 39% from three, by the way, on the year, on, on almost um, four attempts per game. That's really impressive for a center. Mm. So I was going to ask you about him in general. I know we sort of mentioned him a little bit earlier on defense, but how good is Wayne Dedman? I think he's like a pretty solid starting center in the NBA, and that is something that we probably didn't know, I mean, even a year ago, but definitely not two years ago when they signed him. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely he's definitely made strides. I think I don't think he's done yet. I think he can still get a little bit be- like a little bit better. I'm not sure what his ceiling. I don't think is a ton higher than what it is like kind of what it is now. But I think he's still got some uh, some improvements to have. Maybe minor, but he's definitely been as def- these last two years. He's definitely kind of consolidated himself as a kind of starting pretty much close to starting caliber center. Maybe not on a fantastic like a 50 win team or the such, but. He's you could plunk you could just pop him in on any team and he I think he just he do the business. I was actually thinking earlier, like they I think it's possible they could be signed him. I was thinking about this earlier. Uh because well I'd imagine it's because it also seems like and Schlenk mentioned this after the uh the deadline that basically on the lines of that they really kind of really like this group and kind of it's got a good spirit, good energy to it, good vibe to it. And I think he's a huge he's a huge part of that. And I think it's so telling that, well, at least for now, he hasn't I don't know what the whispers are, but it seems like he's going to stick around for at least because be look he could he could if he got a buyout and something he could be, he could be on any team tomorrow basically anyone like anyone would be happy to have a center that can could shoot like that and like I said from the free throw line as well really dependable uh, which helps in like a lot of situations like he's he's a very solid center and any team be happy to have him but I think it's telling that it's he's still kind of around I don't again luck can change between now and. Uh, the the buyout deadline, but uh, for for playoff eligibility, but I I I do think I do see him kind of sticking around, maybe less yeah. so than like he, it seems like he wants to be around as well. It seems. Yeah, I think I mean he gave uh, he gave a pretty uh pretty straight up quote to Chris Kirshner of the Athletic talking about how how he wanted to stay and. I mean, there is a path for Deadman if he wanted to. The Hawks have been pretty open to buying guys out, as we've seen with Jeremy Lin and in previous years with Ilyasov and Bellinelli. I think they probably would give it to him if they if he pushed for it. But at the same time, it's good for Deadman's long-term future, I would probably argue, that to stay in Atlanta, where he's playing a lot and starting and showcasing himself. Um, whereas if he went to a playoff team, he would have a chance to be in the playoffs, which is certainly helpful. But he almost certainly would be a backup wherever he went. Um at this point, I mean, maybe if you got an injury or something like that, there are a couple teams in the playoffs that he might be better than their starter. But most of the time, guys that are not high level players are not going to come in and just like suddenly be starting. So I think from a monetary free agency perspective, he probably is be he probably would be smart to stick around Atlanta and he seems to like it. Um, I just don't know what I mean, it's it's only four or five more days now between now and the deadline where he where he'd have to be gone and be on another team to, to be playoff eligible. But yeah, I'm with you. He, he could certainly help a lot of teams. I think he's going to stick around. I haven't heard anything to the contrary there. But I mean, if you get to the offseason here, the Hawks, I don't think that re-signing Dwayne Debman would be a huge priority necessarily. But if you go to if you get into July, you if you don't draft the center in the draft, um, and you just kind of look around, like why wouldn't we bring Dwayne back? You can kind of bring him back. He's got a re- relatively reasonable cap hold. He's a solid starting caliber player and they have they have Alex Len for next year but if they wanted to part ways with him it'd be pretty easy to do that I think he's on a reasonable contract as well so they have some flexibility Debman is better than Len 
I've said that yeah. all season long. It's pretty clear now, I think. But, you know, he he's someone who would help essentially any team in the league. Is there is there a single team in the league where he wouldn't play? I mean, maybe Toronto now that they have Marcus mm. All and the, uh, sort of that that team, but they're really I mean, even the Warriors, like he would play for the Warriors. He's better Absolutely. than he's better than their backup centers are. I mean, other than Boogie, like he's better than every team's backup center in the league aside from maybe maybe the Raptors. That's kind of it. Yeah, maybe a little logjam in uh, Portland as well with Cantor coming in there, but he'd be. But he's better than Cantor. That's the thing. He's he's better. He's better than Cantor. That's the thing about that. Like, I mean, maybe not. Maybe maybe not in their mind. I think Neil O'Shea likes Cantor a lot because he's now signed him twice. Um, But yeah, it's just more general point to just say like he would help a lot of teams and the Hawks. I think he's just underrated nationally, especially. But I think even locally, sometimes he's like a forgotten player because you know Bazemore is been around for a long time. He's makes he makes a lot of money, etc. And then you have all the young guys. And you have Deadman, he's kind of just like their fifth starter, and he's just a guy, but he's very good at basketball. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's it's fun to watch him, uh, especially when he's, he's really feeling defensively. He gets a big block. Like, he can come up with some big, real clean ones as well. Had one there he had recently. Six, Maybe he had six blocks, by the way. Nice. On, he had six blocks on Saturday night, which was sort of an outlier. It was, it was a tie for his career high, but to that, to that end, he's actually having his career best block rate season right now at 29, which... You know, it's not probably, uh, you know, sustainable necessarily. It's up for the last two years. I sh- By the way, I shouldn't say block rate. His block rate, his, not, his block rate was actually higher when he was younger, but his blocks per game is now a career high for him. Mm. And you know, that's not a huge surprise because he's playing a lot of minutes, but he's still a very solid defender. He's not a game changer on defense, but if you have a guy who can who can play defense, decent defense, and shoot thirty nine percent from three at center, that's a great guy. Yeah, you, you take the, the the good with the bad in that sense, and there's not a ton of bad to be had in that in that sense. So, just really solid player. I, I enjoy watching him play. He's a uh, he's a uh, he's fun. Good good vibes. He's also hilarious, by the way, which I think I've yes, said before on the podcast. But he uh, he he was holding court last night, actually on Sunday on Saturday night after he had a big game and they won, so he was in a good mood, obviously. But he was hilarious, man. I mean, he's just so funny all the time. Uh, he's like the ringleader of all of their uh, inside jokes and like you know, common you know, sort of lobbing stuff at each other while they're doing interviews. Like he and John Collins often yell at each other while they're trying to give interviews, which is always entertaining for the media. Um, just a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. Deadman is, I think the funniest guy on the team. So there's, yeah. there's that as well. Wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, <laughs> especially when you get, to, especially when you get to hear them at length, like exit interviews are last year's exit interview was really fun just because uh, just playing around his player option and such, but it's just a, it's just it's just, it's just extended time talking to a player. You just it's you it's you're it's quick to see his sense of humor. It really is. Uh, it's good. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, before I let you get out of here, man, I do want to ask you about your about your life almost, which is sort of an interesting topic. Not really a normal show um, topic for us on this podcast. We usually mm. like, talk more basketball. It's gonna be some basketball, but. For those of you that don't know, uh, Graham lives in Ireland, and you are five hours ahead, correct? Five hours ahead of Eastern five Time? Five hours ahead of Eastern Time, yeah, that's right. Um, so as a result of that, you know, you probably have read Graham's work. Um, it's usually long, which is... What, <laughs> Sorry. What, what, no, it's it's just funny. Uh, I, I've just, just behind the scenes here, I uh, Graham uh, gets a lot of crap from Jeff Siegel and I about his length, <laughs> but uh, it's also very in-depth, and uh, I, 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 I kind of wish I could write like Graham a lot of the time. So um, with that said, uh, you know, Graham's watching games at... That's that tip off at twelve twelve thirty or even later than that. If it's a West Coast game, there's almost no prayer. Like if there's a, if there's a ten thirty tip off, um, at some point he's gonna have to go to sleep and watch it the next morning. But tell me, like, tell people like about your NBA watching life because you watch a lot of basketball, um, and deep dive a lot of basketball, and then and they have to find time to write about the Hawks at length. And how do you do all that when living five hours ahead of time? 
Uh, you kind of have to swing it to your advantage in many ways. So you mentioned West Coast games. West Coast West Coast games are absolute absolute nightmare because it's usually you're taught if you're in Oakland or LA, it's three thirty a.m. tip, which tip. <laughs> so you're looking at well, game runs two two and a half hours. So you're looking at almost six o'clock by the time that ends. So that's that's a no go. Those those have to wait till the next morning, one o'clock um, Eastern. Yes, Eastern is six hours. Or sorry, Central is six hours. Yes. Kind of the the and my limit as such is when I watch a game live, <laughs> because that's getting close to four and uh, that's late. That is quite late. I, I I'm up at all hours anyway, but there there is a kind of there is a close to a limit where that kind of like, yeah, I think I should go. I need to be going to bed sometime soon. So well, you have to fu- you have to function at some point. Like you have to get up and do other things in the next day. Right. Just... <laughs> I have a I have a day job as well, so I do have to be somewhat functional for that. And uh, so going to bed at four o'clock is a uh, doesn't always help with that, but generally speaking, it's what twelve thirty nine for a Hawks game to Eastern. Uh, it's always welcome relief when there's a twelve or oh, that's the Sunday, the Sunday, Sunday the early afternoon game. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, absolute, just absolute brilliant stuff. But so I was going to ask just to sort of narrow it down a little bit. You know, mm. let's say a typical Hawks home game. They play at seven thirty oh, m- mm-hmm. most of the time. That's twelve thirty for you. Um, yeah. And then you know, just behind the kind of behind the curtain again. You know, at Peachtree Hoops, we do like a buzzer recap to where it's usually written by myself or Sam Meredith or Zach Hood. And we, we, we write these quick, you know, highlight little recap things that go up as fast as possible. And then for the next morning, we will have a, a deeper dive. And most of the time that's Graham or uh, Glenn Willis or Greg Willis or Jeff Siegel. I occasionally do one as well. But those take some time. You have to watch film and you have to embed video. And so take me through like a normal game night for you. You're watching the game at 1230, but how do you get everything that you have to get done? Because that's going to run on peacetreehoops.com at 8am the next morning. So that's not that much time. No. So you have to to sleep for some time during in between. So (laughs) general game, 1230, you grab a cup of tea, you get yourself settled in. A few bad jokes into the uh, the Peachtree Hoops slack, of course, uh, if you can, uh, something comes to mind. And uh, basically, I'm watching the game and just anything, just kind of constantly looking at, I've got NBA.com in, in front of me, usually the score of the game. You can just see uh, kind of the, the stats that they come through, second chance points, fast break, etc. Just to kind of keep on kind of looking at trends and such in the game as it's happening, just kind of taking, taking notes along the way. And that's I think that's the big thing, is kind of taking a note along the way, timestamping uh, particular bits of clips. So if I see, say, a nice, nice rotation block by John Collins that like we saw there on... Uh, on Saturday against the Pistons, I'm going to jot that down and just put a timestamp on it. So it kind of helps me get ready for the next morning. I have a bunch of clips, uh, kind of descriptions, and kind of timestamps written down. Uh, I've got, I, I go old. I have, I'm old school. I've got uh, pen and paper in front of me, big, big notebook. Uh, I got myself a 120-page notebook every season. This is season four, so I've got four of these now, uh, three on my shelf for past seasons. And it's just watching games, writing down. Uh, kind of bits of the game, runs, you're great for the runs. Uh, <laughs> you always know what, what run it is. Uh, any bits of, just even just in front of me, I've got here, uh, just time stamping Benbury's massive dunk from Saturday against the Pistons. Whew, that was a, that was fun. But just time, tam- time stamping that. And basically, game finishes uh, <laughs> on a good night before three. Uh, I always get absolutely enraged when we have unnecessary either stoppages or timeouts that extend the game that little bit more to take it close to the three uh, finishes around usually around 10 to 3 o'clock depending on and literally I will just 
I'll leave it. I'll leave it. I'll go to bed, get to sleep, hopefully, before four. <laughs> uh, difficult at times if there's some chatter going on after the game. Uh, I like to get an eye in for a few of the quotes as well. So no one I'm working with next morning. But it's, it's then, it's the next morning where you kind of flip the time disadvantage to your advantage. So get up nice and early. Uh, West Coast games and such, you're getting up at six or seven. Uh, get a head start on that. And this year, I, I try to leave myself from nine until one over here. So uh, that's eight Eastern over there. One o'clock uh, GMT is eight Eastern yep. over there. And just use that time from nine to one and uh, just to go at it, just just write and just, I've got my references, I've got the quotes uh, that you so graciously sent me, thank you, always uh, <laughs> always good for that uh, West uh, road games are a bit tougher for that you have to kind of, you'll have to transcribe it yourself um, and all the good folks at Fox Sports Southeast always coming through with shouts those to, big, Shouts to Kevin Chenard who, absolutely. Uh, who, who, who usually runs the uh, Fox Sports Southeast account and posts all those videos because they're very helpful for me on the road as well when uh, we're not standing in front of Lloyd Pierce, but I can still watch him on the post game on Twitter, which is nice. Absolutely. And all the full seven minute glory. Uh, love those. So, yeah, just using that time then from nine to one, uh, hoping that there's not too much stuff for the day job comes up in between and just going at it. Just, yeah, just let loose basically. And that's. Uh, that's what you get really from myself on a, a deep dive on the game afterwards. It's just it's just dedicating the time to it because it's just when when it's great because when you're all sleeping, I can be up and at it, awake and working at it. So yeah, just, I, I roll out of bed. Tip that time disadvantage to my advantage. When you're sleeping, I'm awake, I'm working. So yeah, I roll I roll out of bed. Um, well, during the week, I'm usually on my way to work or already at my day job. Um, and then I can edit Graham there. But on a, on a weekend, I'm probably rolling out of bed um, with the express purpose of reading through whatever Graham has and, you know, <laughs> so making sure everything's fine, minutes. formatting and do all the fun stuff and post it. And it's, uh, it's, it actually works quite well, uh, as weird as this sounds. Um, as someone, it's almost easier um, in some ways. Um, the watching of the game is not easier because you have to be up so late. But um, having that time to kind of build to it and write and, you know, for me, having to do one of those is, it's it's hard. It's not fun. it's not easy for anybody, but I do feel for you a lot of these times, especially on the West Coast when it's like, all right, well, Graham can't watch this one because it's going to tip off at yeah. you know, 3 a.m. <laughs> um, so, I wanted to at least say that out loud. I know people probably see your name and see your byline and follow you on Twitter and all that fun stuff and just kind of don't maybe have a full grasp of what it is that you have to do to cover in a, uh, a, a NBA team from where you are. So shouts to you. And I know, I know you'll be back soon. You came to, uh, you came over last year. I know it's not yeah. an easy, uh, not an easy nor, ch- nor cheap trip over from, uh, <laughs> no. from Ireland. So uh, you'll be back soon, I'm sure. But in the meantime, you'll be grinding and people now know like kind of what your process is, which I, uh, which I'm appreciative of. It's good fun. Like I, I, I did like if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't really do it. It's, well, 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 let me backtrack. Last season was not fun in some ways. That team was not it fun was le- to watch It was it. less fun, yes. <laughs> um, especially coming the basically this time, uh, this time last year, it was uh, getting, uh, when all the buyouts came and the such, and it was, ooh, it was rough at times. But uh, look, it helps when the team is fun. That, 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 that does help. And it's been, it's, it's, it's been fun to watch the genuine kind of growth of this team. And people are excited. I think people... It's it's fun. Like it's, I can't get over how kind of fun this team is. Like Saturday's game against the Pistons was just absolutely wild, uh, in all sorts of sorts of ways. So it's stuff like that. Little things like that keep you going. Uh, the guys, yourself included, in the, the Peachtree Slack. Not to harp on that too much, but uh, no, it's, we, we it's fun. fun. One day we when I fun. don't care anymore, uh, if I'm gonna like, get a retire from doing this, I'll just open. I'll just like start 
screenshotting the Slack and sharing it with everyone, with everyone. But it's behind the curtain for a reason. We have we have good fun though back there with yeah. uh, all the Peachtree Hoop staff, and we have uh, we have a good time. So, so uh, all right, that well, uh, helps on the late ones. Yeah, definitely. Uh, keeps helps me keep, helps me stay awake well, as well. Um, I always, it's and I have the advantage of having Jeff uh, Jeff Siegel out in California, so he's three hours behind me. And you're five hours you're five hours ahead of me, so we're pretty much covered through the night. If something weird happens, like if something broke at like four in the morning, you'd be up, and if something break breaks it breaks at two in the morning, Jeff's up. So it's great. <laughs> We, we, we make it work. I think it, I think it works well. <laughs> it does. Uh, all right, Graham. Well, I've kept you long enough, my friend. Please plug yourself. I always want people to follow you. People people should be following you more. So let's go ahead and have, the, have them do that by telling them where, where they can do that and where they should be doing that. First of all, thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Graham underscore Chapel, uh, C-H-A-P-P-L-E. It's not French and it's not spelled with an E-L. <laughs> Chappelle. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is not. I'm in no way related to Dave Chappelle in any sense. The name is felt completely different. It does not sound the same. Um, <laughs> as if as if I'd be related to Dave Chappelle in, in any case in the first place. I'm not sure why that came out. Um, but there you go. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I try I try to be active as I can through through Hawks games and I try to let go a bit more and think less in a sense. Uh, but hey, we, we have a good time. You can follow me there. And... It's probably easier to make notes and do things when you're not on Twitter. I, I, I kind of have to do Twitter stuff during games to just kind of part of the gig but i'm i'm almost jealous like i kind of want to log off and just like watch the game and like make notes and um that can be good so i'm kind of jealous of you that way yeah i've, I've got like, like a second a second monitor really helps you can you can do lots of good things when you've got a second monitor a game on one hand and then twitter nba etc on the other so uh that does if I, if I didn't have that it'd be a bit more problematic for sure yeah, international league pass also is uh, is a huge Ooh. advantage that you have. That's the one. I think that's the one thing that you actually have a, a, a <laughs> literal advantage on. Yeah, <laughs> is international league, international league pass is so much better than regular league pass, which makes no sense at all. Yeah. But it's just, it's true. Yeah, thank thank you so much. I really are oh, international league pass absolute lifesaver. No black hits. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. It's the best. Uh, all right, Graham. Well, uh, every, as for everybody else, please follow Graham. I definitely recommend that. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's the best. So we uh, should be following him. He'll have plenty. In fact, I think you're doing a game. Are you doing Monday? I can't remember. We're, we're going to live program uh, on podcast right not now. Not Monday. I'm Wednesday. Doing the three next week, which is Minnesota, yes. I believe, is first. So be thinking of be thinking of Graham on Wednesday night when you're watching the Hawks and the Wolves. I believe. Um, be thinking of him as you just kind of understand what his process is going to be. That'll be a lot of fun. And uh, please follow him. Please subscribe to this podcast as well. We will have much more uh, coming. I will have a podcast after the Rockets game on Monday night, so please stay tuned for that. Thanks to Graham, and I will see everybody later on in the week.